Um, but uh, I want to welcome you to our fourth and final week of our 316s series. Um, we have been going through different uh, chapters and verses of, of uh, books of the Bible that, that contain uh, chapter 3, verse 16. We looked at John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. We know that one. And then, then we looked at 2 Thessalonians 3, 16, which shows us Paul's prayer for the Thessalonian church to have peace in all of their circumstances. Last week, we talked about James 3, 16, where the brother of Jesus was encouraging us to pursue heavenly wisdom and not get caught up in the earthly wisdom that is so prevalent in our society. And today... We are combining two different 316s, so today you get two for the price of one, okay? This is a Labor Day special for you guys today. You get two for the price of one. I started off just thinking about 2 Timothy uh, 316, but then Colossians 316 kind of just found its way in there because it, it just goes very well with it. So let's take a look at our first one. If you have your Bibles, it is 2 Timothy 316, and this is what it says. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Some translations say the word of God is powerful and effective, and that's true for sure. Uh, in fact, uh, some people believe it's so powerful. There was a guy by the name of Emperor Menelik II who was an African ruler. He thought it was so powerful that uh, you could uh, use the Bible to cure anything. Okay, This African ruler back in 1896, he helped defeat the Italian army, established the nation of Ethiopia, and he believed that the Bible was so powerful that it could cure any illness that you had. And so what he would do is he would rip out pages of the Bible and eat it anytime he got sick. He suffered a stroke in 1913 after he ate the entire book of Kings, and as a result, his bowels, I know that's gross, became obstructed, and he died of related complications. What a way to go. Uh, I think he kind of misused the Word of God like we see so many people doing today. The book itself, the physical book itself is not powerful. It's the words inside that are powerful because the words are the words of God. It has been inspired by the Holy Spirit that has spoken to different authors down through the years that have given them the very words of God. And Scripture tells us, our, our passage today tells us it has the power to correct us when we're going the wrong way. It shows us the right way to go. It has the power to lift us up whenever we are down. Anybody ever been like really, really down and you just open the word of God and you start to read it and all of a sudden God speaks to you in a way that you didn't even know maybe this passage was even in the Bible and God just speaks to you and it lifts your spirit. It has the power to do that. But it has to be read. It has to be applied. It can't just sit in our living room on a shelf. can't just sit on the coffee table collecting dust. It's the Word of God, and for it to become powerful, it has to be read and applied. makes me think of the minister who's visiting one of his members one day. The lady of the house was trying to impress the minister. She was going through the house and acting all spiritual, and she pointed out the Bible that was on the bookshelf in the living room. She started talking in a very churchy way, and she said, here is our copy of the Word of God. 
You know, the, you know, the churchy kind of people, how, how we can be sometimes. Her little five-year-old son interrupted her and said, well, if that's God's book, then we probably ought to send it back to him because we ain't reading it. <laughs> it, it. It has to be read to have any kind of benefit, right? And, it, and it's really nice to say, yeah, I believe the Bible, and I have a Bible, and we have it on our phone, and we carry it with us. We might even have a, a, a bumper sticker. We might even have a T-shirt that refers to it. But we, if we're not reading it, If we're not applying it to our lives, then it doesn't have the benefit that God intended for it to have. So here are some things that I think that are are true about the Word of God that I think we need to understand today. First is this. Not one word of the Bible is wasted. Not a single word. All Scripture, right? Paul's writing to Timothy, he says, all scripture is inspired by God, it's useful. Every year at the beginning of the year, Mike does a great job of, of getting these out for us. Every year gets Bible reading plans out at Connection Central so that our, our worshipers here, our church members here have the opportunity to read scripture throughout the entire year. And I know that there are times when you're reading through a passage of scripture, maybe you're going through the entire Bible, and you're thinking to yourself, uh, after reading a passage of scripture, that's inspired by God. God. Have you done that? Have you ever read something you're like, I can't even believe that's in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, right? When we get into the Old Testament, we read some of those things and we're like, what in the world? For instance, 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 23 and 24, Elisha left Jericho and went up to Bethel, and as he was walking along the road, a group of boys from the town began mocking and making fun of him. Go away, baldy, they chanted. Go away, baldy. Elisha turned around and looked at them, and he cursed them in the name of the Lord. And then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of them. Why is that in the Bible? You ever think about that? Is that useful? I mean, it gives us, like, precedence for making fun of somebody that's bald, maybe. But understand that if you mock God, and this is why I think it's in there, if you mock God, you're going to be held accountable for that. Because this group of boys, they were doing this on a regular basis, right? They're making fun of Elisha. They're mocking God, mocking God's servants. And it tells me that God will not continue to be mocked. And we see that all the time, don't we, in our society today? People mocking God time and time and time again. Just know that in the end, as Kendall was talking about earlier, the book of Revelation, we know how it all pans out. And God is not going to continue to be mocked. One day he's going to come back. He's going to settle the score. Useful story. Numbers chapter 22 verse 28 says this, then the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. What have I done to you that deserves your beating me three times? It asked Bala. A talking donkey in the Bible. This isn't Disney. This, this, is, this is scripture, and it's useful to us. And I'm not 100% sure why, but I trust that it is. Maybe it's just to say that God can still speak through a donkey or two, even 2,000 years later here at our church. Right, Kendall? Right, we do. Right? Okay. So I was referring to us, right? Uh, but I, that was supposed to be really funny. Y'all didn't fall for that at all. Man, okay, struggling. Labor Day, stay up late last night, just not funny. Okay, I get it. That's all right. But regardless of why we have the story, it's useful. Do you believe that? That every single word is inspired by God and it's useful. When we say the Bible is inspired, it means that God influenced the human authors of the Scripture in such a way that what they wrote was what God wanted us to hear. 
And when we look in the context of Scripture, the word inspiration simply means that it was God-breathed. The Bible isn't just some made-up stories, but it is God-breathed. God breathed into those who wrote it, and that makes the Bible unique among all other books. Remember what Jesus said when he was tempted in the wilderness, man does not live by bread alone, but what? On every word that comes from the mouth of God. What comes from the mouth of God? It is the God-breathed scriptures that he has given to us. The Bible comes from the mouth of God, and it's what we should be living on. And what we tend to do We got another sermon going on over here. Is it, it might be better than what I'm, I've got going on. Um, no, he's, he's got his Bible app out, which is wonderful. Just mute it. Next time. Okay. All right. That's just between us, though. I won't tell anybody. Okay. The Bible comes from the mouth of God, and we should be living on, on the very Word of God. A lot of people in their lives, they, re, they turn to the Bible as a last resort, right? It's kind of like a man putting together something that they bought at the store, right? They try to put it together themselves, and then when all else fails, they read the directions. Can I get an amen? Right? And so this is what we do with Scripture sometimes. We try to live life our own way. And then if it's not going the way that we think that it ought to or we're struggling a little bit, then we might take a look at the Word of God and see what God's Word has to say. Every single word is useful. Not one single word in Scripture is wasted. You say, that's great, but what's it useful for? Well, that's what Paul continues to tell us. It's useful for teaching and training us. All Scripture is inspired by God is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God has spoken to us through his word so that we can live better. So that we can live right. God didn't just create this book so that we'd have a bunch of rules and regulations to live by. He created this book to communicate with us so that we could have the best life possible, not just life eternal when we pass from this life, but the best life possible while we're down here on this earth. God truly knows what is best for us. Amen? How many of you know that you know what's best for your children? Absolutely we do. God wired us that way. So if that makes sense, that we know what's best in human sense for our children, doesn't it make sense that, in a, that God being who he is, the creator of the universe, would know what is best for us. And so he communicates to us so that we can have the best life possible. But a lot of people in our society, again, they mock God or, or they just refuse to listen to what God says. In recent years, there's been a popular phrase, a popular philosophy, if you will, that says, just live your truth. Have you heard that? Just live your truth, right? And what this is basically saying is this, just be your authentic self, be your most authentic self, doing the things daily that bring you happiness and joy, living as true to yourself as you possibly can. Just live your truth. Well, doesn't that sound nice? It sounds nice, right? It really does. 
The problem with the just live your truth philosophy is that so many people have so many different truths and a lot of times those different truths collide with one another. There's so many different truths and what we have is all of this confusion and we have all of this chaos and we have all of this hatred because we have all of these different truths that are going around. Listen guys, not all truths can be true. This is why God has given us his word to teach us, to correct us. He gave us an absolute standard of truth. And if we change one little bit of that standard of truth, it's like changing an inch on a ruler. It throws all of our measurements off. It throws everything off. Not all truths can be true. God gave us his word to teach us, to correct our error, because he knew that if he leaves it to us, to us if we just try to figure it out on our own, it's going to be a mess. And here's the problem. What is right for one person might cause damage to another person. This is why God left us this absolute standard of truth called the Bible, so that we can know the difference between right and wrong. Again, this isn't so that God can take away our, all our fun. God isn't just some cosmic killjoy that wants us to just live all humdrum and miserable until he takes us to heaven. He truly wants us to have the best life possible. He wants us to have life and to the fullest. Right now, our world is so confused, Satan has done a masterful job of twisting our beliefs and confusing generation after generation. He's played the same game for 2,000 plus years, and we're buying into it hook, line, and sinker. And I believe that the number one target that Satan is going after, the, the number one area where he's confusing people is in, in terms of human sexuality. This, this is why um, there's displays like what's on the screen. Rusty, can you put that up there? I don't know if you can see that very well. This is a display that was in one of our schools here in town. Um, and uh, I'll probably take some heat for this. Um, but I'm preaching a revival in Ohio next week. Kendall can deal with it. <clears throat> um, this is a display at one of, one of our schools. And you see all the different LGBTQ. I don't know if you can see it very well. It, 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 but it's basically a, it, it's a, um, it's a display honoring different actors and artists and activists who are part of the LGBTQ community. Um, of people, these, these represent people who, are, who have bought into just living their truth, right? And so when we, when we put this up against what Scripture says, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. But here's the problem. So many people are living their truth and it flies in the face of what God's word says about human sexuality. And if you think it's going to stop where it is now, I think again. There's already a large number of people who identify as, and this, this just makes me sick to my stomach, they identify as minor attracted persons. Instead of calling themselves 
pedophiles or perverts or criminals. They're just minor attracted persons. Just living out their truth. And if you don't think that this can't eventually be accepted by our society, then you got your head in the sand. The Word of God, and, and hear me on that, the Word of God, and hopefully it's not coming across this way to you, it's not about hate, it's about loving people enough to tell them the truth. And the truth is, there are certain types of behavior in Scripture that lead to spiritual death, just like any other sin. But I know if this sermon were to make the rounds throughout Columbus, throughout this community, I would be labeled as a hater. Maybe some of you are sitting out there right now thinking, I'm a hater. That's all right. I'll just say that I love you enough to tell you the truth. Bob Russell, when he was here not too long ago, he said this, truth sounds like hate to those who hate the truth. Let that sink in. Let that marinate for a little bit in your brain. Truth sounds like hate to those who hate the truth. And as Christians, we need to love the truth. And we need to love people who are caught up in untruths. The people who are caught up in lies. And we need to love them. We need to come alongside them, love them, and show them the truth in a loving way. Don't beat them up with the Bible. Don't point a condemning finger at them. Treat them like Jesus would. Love them in hopes that they might repent of their sins, repent of whatever worldly truth they might be living out, whatever they think their truth is. People use this phrase a lot too. I just want to be free. I don't want to live by a bunch of archaic rules. And regulations. I just want to be free. Think about this for a moment. And it's just a, it, it's a sobering thought to think about. But I think it's important. Especially in light of this sermon. All we have to do to receive eternal death. Is continue living out our truth. That's all we got to do. Live out our truth. And it's going to lead to death. That's why Paul says this. We are slaves to our sin. Sin is our master. Until it's not. It doesn't have to be. Look at this in Romans chapter 6, verse 20 through 22. When you were slave to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free. Amen. You are free from the power of sin and have become slaves to God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness, those things that lead to eternal life that result in in eternal life. Without Jesus in our lives, our sin controls us. But if we have Jesus in our lives and we have the Holy Spirit of God living in our lives, that is who should be controlling us. And in Christ, we are set free from the penalty of sin and we become slaves to God. We become children of God. And it might sound unnatural for us because we say, I don't want to be slave to anybody. 
But true freedom is found in submission to God. It is only when you totally submit to Him that you can truly find freedom. You want truth? Can you handle it? You, you all were thinking a few good men. I know you were when I said you want the truth. Can you handle the truth? Right? Slavery to sin leads to death. But slavery to God leads to freedom. There's no other way to slice it. It leads to eternal life. This is why King David wrote in Psalm 119, verse 11, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is more. When David said he was hiding the word of God in his heart so that he might not sin against him, this is more than just memorizing a few scriptures. It's internalizing the very word of God. We need to learn to treasure the word of God and just how powerful it is and how every single word is useful for teaching us. It is so valuable. I've heard missionaries speak about going to, uh, uh, going to the Soviet Union after the, after the uh, wall came down and after communism fell and, and missionaries were, were in, in Russia and they were passing out Bibles and these people were so hungry for the word that when they would give Bibles to people, they would tear pages out and hand it to their family members, thinking that if they could just have a little portion of scripture, and they begin to share it, they'd rip it out and share it with one another so that everyone could get some of it, because they valued the word of God so highly. They believed every word so much. I'm not sure we value it like that in America. That's probably why so many people have resorted to living out their truth. Because they don't value the word of God like it should be valued. And another thing that has happened, so many people, so many non-believers have seen us Christians not living out the truth of God's word. And they conclude, well, there must not be much to it. They claim to believe it, but they're not living it out. And they're no different than us. So I'll just continue to live my truth. David said, I'm going to hide the word of God in my heart so that I might not sin against him because he knew the power that was in it. So how do we do that? See, that sounds great. If it's more than just reading it, what can we do? Well, let me give you a few possibilities that maybe uh, would benefit you. Oh, I know it would benefit you, but it, it, might, it might just improve your Bible reading and your hiding it in your heart. One of the first things you got to do is read the Bible. I know, pretty simple, right? Read the Bible. Get to know God. Understand His plan for your life. Um, understand that, that His plan is better than your plan. And so you need to pursue a consistent method of reading through the Bible. Again, what we do here is we give you a copy of God's uh, a, a reading plan so that you can, you can read through God's Word in a, in a year and, and read through the whole thing. You need a, a consistent Bible reading practice. And then listen to the Bible as well. Proverbs 2, 1 through 5 conveys the benefits of listening to the Word of God. My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom. 
wisdom. Concentrate on understanding. Search for them as you would search for silver. If you knew that there was silver, a whole lot of silver, a whole big treasure that was near you, would you go looking for it if you thought you could find it? This is how God is telling us we need to go after his word. Search for understanding like you're searching for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures, and then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord, and you will gain knowledge of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, or by hearing the good news about Christ, the spoken words of Jesus, the preaching of the gospel message has the power to produce faith in our lives. It has the power to change our lives. In Jesus' day, Scripture was read aloud in the synagogues. That's kind of funny, especially, Mark, after your phone went off and started reading Scripture out loud. And I got on you, didn't I? That's what they, I mean, they didn't have a phone back then, but, but they read Scripture out loud. Right? On a regular basis. Didn't have to be anything fancy. And then they would write out portions of the Bible as well. And we, I think that's a good practice for us. I don't know how many of you do that. If you ever just write out scripture, it helps you. It, I know when I write something down, which doesn't happen very often, but when I write something down, um, I, mean, I remember it better. Proverbs 7, 1 through 3, my son, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the people of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Writing down our thoughts as we read, as we listen to the Bible, it's going to help clarify what God is saying to you. It's going to help strengthen these biblical truths on your heart. And talk about the Bible. Discussing God's Word with other people. When was the last time you sat down and had a good conversation about the Word of God with your kids? With your spouse? With your friends? In your life group? Those things strengthen us, they help our understanding, they solidify the teaching in our hearts and in our minds. And study the Bible. You say, well, how's that different than reading? The Bible urges us to study the scriptures for greater understanding. The Apostle Paul said this to Timothy, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Use a study resource of some kind. The internet is chock full of them. Get a Bible. Get a study Bible where it'll have a little bit of something out to the side. After you read it, it'll kind of go a little bit deeper and help you understand it a little bit uh, better. Don't just superficially skim over the words, but read them to understand. And make sure that what you are reading, you understand the historical uh, context of it and, and what else is going on within that. And then here's the next one. Meditate on the Bible. We don't throw that word around a lot in the churches because when we think of meditation, it kind of has this negative context sometimes like transcendental meditation or sometimes a new age something. Uh, uh, but we're instructed to meditate on the word of God. Listen to what Psalm 1-2 says, delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. We're to think about God's instructions. We're to think about his promises, not just for a little bit, but all the time. And as we continue doing this, as we treasure it, as we store it, as we hide it in our hearts, 
it will literally transform how we think and how we behave. I believe that. It, it has me. I, I know you, you might not believe this, but before I became a Christian, you, you might not have liked me all that much. You, you might not like me much now. I don't know. Stacy couldn't stand me before she got to know me a little bit. She, she's getting over that now. And, and Romans 12 two says, Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. And then, right, after, after God changes the way that you think, then, that's when you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I think we want to skip a step or two. We, we don't want to let God transform us. We don't want to change the way that we think, but we want to sit back and we want God to show us what His will is for our lives. There's a, it's a progression, right? And then finally, knowing the Bible leads to rejoicing. This is our second passage of Scripture. This is the two-for-one special. You don't even need a coupon. Here it is. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom He gives. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. That first part of there. Let the message about Christ. What's the message about Christ? The message about Christ is the Word of God. Let the Word of God in all its richness fill your lives. And when you allow the Word of God to fill your lives, you begin to counsel one another with heavenly wisdom, not the earthly wisdom that we talked about last week, or the wisdom that the world teaches to just live out your own truth, but with heavenly wisdom, as we live according to the Word of God, we're going to live a joyful life. Our life is going to be filled with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Doesn't that sound great? Aren't you tired of, of living a defeated life? If that's you today, if you've got this defeated life and you're just kind of, you, you are an Eeyore kind of Christian, you know what I'm talking about? You just walk, oh, bother. That's your whole life? Dive in. Dive in. Let God transform you. Let Him transform the way that you think. I want to offer a song of decision this morning, and, and uh, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I'm going to ask you all to stand. And if you're here this morning, here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about your mindset right now. I want you to think about where you are in relation to the Word of God. How much time are you spending really diving into the Word of God and letting it change you? Are you living by the truth of God's Word, or have you bought into... Maybe just more of a smorgasbord kind of situation where I'll take a little bit of this and a little bit of this, but I don't really like what God's Word says here, so I'm going to leave that alone. It's all, every word is useful, right? Maybe you need to commit to doing better in that area. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you've never surrendered your life to Christ. You've never said, Ron, I... I I don't know what that's like because I don't, I don't know God. I don't know Jesus. And your, his word says that 
when we confess Him as the Christ and when we repent of our sins and when we're baptized into Him, His Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us and leads us and helps to change us from the inside out. Maybe that's where some of you need to start today. During this song, uh, if you have a need, we, we invite you uh, we invite you to come. Kendall will meet you here at the front if you have a need. Let's pray together.